the perfect church, we love each other well. As I look at the scriptures and I look at how we do things today in our churches, I think that we've got a few things backwards, specifically when it comes to defining love. Love looks different in each of our relationships. The relationship dictates how we display love. I show my wife I love her sometimes in very similar ways that I show both my kids, and at times it looks drastically different because she's my wife and they're my kids. We should express love to those inside our church differently than we express it to those outside. Somehow we got it all backwards. Today we think that love is speaking out truth on Facebook in a comment thread that same-sex marriage is wrong. Or throwing in our two cents on a Twitter post or Instagram caption about how we are right and everyone else is wrong. We show up at our local Chick-fil-A day and we think that we're actively participating in our world as believers, but yet we haven't shared the gospel with anyone at work like ever. The point is, most of us have responded to something that someone is doing or has done that clearly paints outside the lines of the scriptures. We call this taking a stand. Hear this. You will never win someone to Jesus because you out-argued them on a Facebook comment thread. Never. It's not your job to convince them that their sexual preference isn't God's design. Hang with me here. I know half of you are really upset with me at the moment. What I'm getting at is we shouldn't be trying to modify an unbeliever's behavior. We should expect non-believers to act like non-believers. Like, look around today. They're doing it, and they're doing it really well. However, when we look at believers and how we are to be acting, we aren't doing it well. Other believers are the ones we are supposed to lean into. We are to call the body to deal with their sin to change the way that they're living. I'm not saying we're not supposed to tell people they need to confess, repent, and trust Jesus. Like, that's the gospel. I'm saying we don't share with them Romans 3.23, 6.23, 5.8, 10, 9, and 13. We instead point to Leviticus 18.22. We don't win when we begin with behavior modification. That's when we lose. Jesus' calls for us to love one another is twofold. For unbelievers, it means we point them to the gospel and only there until they buy it. Believers, we lean into their behavior. Changing an unbeliever's behavior doesn't get them to heaven. It doesn't change their heart. It doesn't do anything but make things a little more comfortable for us. But Jesus, if they trust Jesus, he changes everything. Inside the body, Jesus told his disciples that the world would know them by the way that they loved each other. John 13, 15. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Proverbs 27, 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Loving each other well, meaning those who say that they are believers, sometimes looks like leaning into things that don't feel good. Sometimes it means you have to tell your buddies that they aren't right. We have to actually practice Matthew 5, 23, Matthew 7, 5, and Matthew 18, 15 through 17. These are three clear passages of conflict resolution that we have to follow When we do this, the process is basic, but it's not easy. Number one, what's wrong with me? Anytime we are leaning into a situation, we must first ask, what's wrong with me? If you're not willing to first ask this question and then actually deal with it, then everything you see wrong in others isn't about them. It's about you. If during that process I realize that I've offended someone, I have to go to them and say, please forgive me for fill in the blank. That blank space is where you fill in everything that you've done against them or offensive to them. It's Matthew 5, 23 through 24. Therefore, if you, have a fi- if you are offering your gift at the altar and remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift. 
If you don't do this, you're getting in the way of what God has for you to do. Number two, deal with your sin first. If you see someone doing something offensive or sinning, you, you first have to deal with your junk. You have to sit down and say, Jesus, draw a circle around me and change everything in that circle that's not of you. And then help me to know how to invite others into that circle. You have to deal with your sins before you can deal with someone else's. Again, if you don't, you are in the way. It doesn't mean that you don't tell your friend that they're wrong, but you only do that after you've allowed Jesus to deal with you. You've confessed to him and then to those in your community that you practice that with. If you don't practice confession on a regular basis, then you absolutely have no business telling anyone else that they're out of line. Number three, part of the problem or part of the solution. Many times our first act is to go get advice from someone else before we speak to the person directly. This has to stop. We have to go to the one who is sinning one-on-one. You don't go talk to literally anyone else first. You don't, need to su- you don't need support or wisdom or help processing. That's called gossip. A great question to ask yourself is, who is a part of the problem or the solution? If they are neither, then it's gossip, period. And if you don't know, Jesus hates gossip. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deceives, wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and the person who stirs up conflict in the community. That's Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. If one-on-one does not work, then you bring someone else in who is a part of the solution. Again, anyone else in it stirring up conflict. If that doesn't work, then go get the elders and go again. If that doesn't work, then the only, it, then and only then do you treat them as an unbeliever, which means you are kind, loving, caring, compassionate, sacrificial, and you share the gospel with them. Treating a person as an unbeliever should look really similar to how we treat each other, except they're no longer in your inner circle. You aren't confessing sin and asking for prayer and wisdom from them. You are not calling them to deal with their sin. You instead are inviting them to allow Jesus to forgive them and pray for them like crazy. Our ability to resolve conflict is crucial to the vitality of the church. One of the most influential pastors in my life says that 80% of what they do as a staff is resolve conflict. 80%, that's a lot. Now, it's a large staff, and I had the opportunity for a short time to see it from the inside, And I've seen conflict handled really well, and I've seen it handled very poorly or not handled at all. When we handle conflict appropriately, we model the gospel. We are able to show others how to love, how to forgive, and truly live with integrity. If you have a thought, a question, an argument, or whatever, I'm more than happy to engage with you in a conversation. You can reach me at stellofellow at gmail.com. Use the subject line, Casey. I'd like to talk to you about fill in the blank. My name is Casey Hubbard. I go by Case. I'm a former pastor living in Texas. I own a business with my wife. I coach high school football and pole vaulting, and I write about faith, family, fashion, and fitness. I believe those of us who say we know Jesus are in desperate need of a change in the way that we do things. I've spent my entire life as part of the church in some capacity. I met Jesus when I was 18, and I've spent the last 20 years serving in the church in some capacity. 13 plus years of that was as a paid staff member or professional Christian. The last four years of my life, I've been trying to process what it means to not be on a church staff and still hold that as such a vital part of mine and my family's life. It's been educational, to say the least, having lived on this side of the table now for a few years, giving me a better understanding of what 
I was truly asking the people who sat in the churches I served in. Trying to find a way to appropriately handle all that I've experienced in the church, I decided to begin to, begin to write. You can find more articles and podcasts at www.stellofellow.com.